everybody. Welcome to today's One Million by One Million podcast. As you know, One Million by One Million is the first and only global virtual accelerator for startups in the world. We focus on technology and technology-enabled services and work with entrepreneurs all over the world from Silicon Valley. Today, we'll be speaking with Nathan Lustig from Magma Partners. Welcome, Nathan. It's great to have you here. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. So tell us about Magma Partners. What is the focus of the firm? How big is the fund? What size investments do you make? Sure. So we're a U.S. Latin American venture capital fund. Uh, we got started in Chile in 2014. And in our first fund, we had $2 million of my money and a family office's money from Chile that wanted mm-hmm. to diversify into tech and so we okay. started out investing in pre-seed, so $25,000 to $75,000 in companies that had their tech and sales teams in Latin America, but targeted the U.S. market. And then in the okay. best companies, we could follow on with up to another 300000 on top of it. And what uh, is the genesis? Are you from the technology industry? I am, imagine you're from Chile. No, so I'm actually from Wisconsin in the U.S., and, Why Chile um, then? So it's it's a good question. So I, when I was in school, I went to the University of Wisconsin, and in my sophomore year, I, I started a, a tech company with with two partners, and it's a marketplace to buy and sell textbooks and student tickets for sports mm-hmm. and concerts on campuses, which ended up selling. And uh-huh. then I wasn't sure. I knew that I didn't want to get another job uh, after that, so I knew I needed to start something new and. Uh, another friend of mine and I started a business, and we were in Wisconsin, and Wisconsin at that time didn't have all that much tech going on, and mm-hmm. we were looking to move to either Austin, Texas, or San Francisco to get into a spot with more tech going on where we could get more feedback and more access to capital, and also, yep. you know, it didn't, didn't hurt that we could skip the Wisconsin winter and go to somewhere else where there was a nicer climate. And back in 2010, we had already launched our product. We had raised some money. We had been in the press all over the world. But uh, we were looking to get out of Wisconsin. And we saw this article in Forbes that said that the Chilean government was giving $40,000 of equity-free money to startups to move down to Chile for six months. And they'd give you a visa, office space, uh, mentorship, connections into the local economy. And so my partner and I moved to Chile and. Uh, November 2010, as the fifth company to take part in the Startup Chile program. Uh, yeah. We were in the pilot round. And now there's been 1,800 companies that have gone through it. And after our business was acquired, I went back to Chile uh, because I wanted to learn the rest of Spanish. And also, I had gotten a really good Who network. acquired your company? Uh, we were got acquired by a company called SecureSafe, which is a spinoff of a Swiss bank that basically builds data lockers for uh-huh. um, for information that and, you want to access. And this company, when you were doing the company, you were based in Chile? You sold it from Chile, the company from Chile? No, so we came to Chile for six months. Uh, we extended our runway. We got to know people in the industry. We ended up changing our business model a little bit. And then we went back to the U.S. after the program mm-hmm. and spent another maybe nine months in the U.S. before we sold. I see. So um, so what year does this bring us up to? So this is the end of 2011, and 
I'm now back in the U.S. We, my partner and I sold the company, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do next, but I had um, you know, started to learn a little, a little bit of Spanish, had gotten a really good network in Chile, and decided mm -hmm. that I wanted to go back at least for a year to explore the opportunities and also learn the rest of Spanish. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up working at a Chilean startup for about nine months where I got to help them open offices in Argentina, Brazil, and Colombia. Got to see how mm -hmm. different the business culture is in each one of the, the different countries, learn Spanish. And then um, by the end of 2012, heading into 2013, I was ready to go back out on my own again and started teaching the entrepreneurship class that I'd wished I'd been able to have before I started my business at mm -hmm. a couple of different Chilean universities. So did that all the way through 2013 and realized that in addition to the teaching, I was doing some consulting for startups and realized that I was doing everything that an investor does except for the important part of actually investing money. And I had also seen what the investment climate was like in Latin America, not just in Chile. And most of the investment firms from 2010 all the way through 2014 and even still up till today were run by people whose background was in finance or potentially in private equity or in mining. And that's mm -hmm. a, lot, a lot of the industries are like. And so they were structuring deals that were like private equity or they were structuring them even worse like mining. And so I mm -hmm. made the plan of the fund that I'd wished I'd been able to meet when I was in Startup Chile. And just when that was happening, I got a call from one of the members of the founding team of Startup Chile, who said that mm -hmm. there was a family office that was looking to diversify and get into tech. And so I met up with my now partner, Francisco Sainz, whose mm -hmm. family had done really well. They were the, the co-founders of one of the biggest mall companies in Latin America and done really well in business and did a bunch of traditional mm -hmm. things like retail and banking and healthcare, were ready to get into this next wave of technology that was just getting started in Latin America. And they also wanted to sort of give back to the next generation of entrepreneurs. And so in 2014, we founded Magma Partners, mm -hmm. which was $2 million of our own money, which we invested across 32 companies um, with from founders from 10 different countries, that now the companies in total sell more than $10 million a year. Uh, I think there's now 350 or so employees from 15 different countries. And uh, we've been sort of building the base along with some of the other funds in Latin America of the entrepreneurship ecosystem here. So these companies that you've invested in, uh, these out of the $2 million fund, the 35 companies, they're all from Startup Chile? No, so maybe only about 10 or so had gone through Startup Chile first, and then mm -hmm. maybe another seven or so went through Startup Chile after we invested. But mm -hmm. many of our best companies um, were from all over the region or potentially had already gotten traction and didn't go through Startup Chile. So Startup Chile for us is a great deal flow. Um, kind of magnet because there's 200 companies every year that are coming from all over the world to Chile mm -hmm. and we're able to pick the ones that fit our investment thesis and where we really like the entrepreneurs and are mm -hmm. able to sort of pick and choose. But we also invest in lots of companies across the region that uh, don't go through Startup Chile. 
And um, you said you've already invested the $2 million fund. What, um, what is the current fund? So six months ago, we started raising our second fund, which uh, we're going to close in the next month here. It's going to be $15 million, again, all mm -hmm. private capital, with uh, family offices from Chile, Colombia, Mexico, U.S., and China, along with mm -hmm. some interesting entrepreneurs who have done well in their careers. And mm -hmm. we're going to be focusing on the same investment thesis, but with an addition that we can continue to follow on up to what I call a Latin America Series A, which is, mm -hmm. you know, about a million and a half or $2 million in the best companies. Yeah. And what types of ventures are you focusing on? Uh, what did you focus on in the $2 million fund? What are you going to focus on in the $15 million fund? Is what industry sector, B2B, B2C, what pre-seed, I imagine, still, but... Yeah, so we started out with two, two niches. One was B2B companies that operate in Latin America. And mm -hmm. then the second was the companies that have their tech and sales teams in LATAM but target the U.S. market. Yeah. And the, re the reason why we chose those two instead of B2C uh, that operates in LATAM is that Latin America is not a poor region. It's actually fairly wealthy. It's just very unequally distributed. So when you yeah. look at building B2C companies in a country like Chile, where this is pretty similar income distribution across the region, where 50% of people make minimum wage and about 70% make only about 150% uh, of minimum wage, that your markets for a B2C company, along with infrastructure things like recurring payments and other types of, of infrastructure, just aren't quite there yet. So for us, mm -hmm. it was... These businesses have lots of money, they're doing well, but many of the U.S. and worldwide tech companies don't get to Latin America, either because of pricing or culture or um, even just the language. Yeah. So we focused on, on B2B to start, and then also companies that were real businesses, so things that could actually bring in sales, bring in revenue, rather than just hoping for that next round of funding at a higher valuation yeah. that were... Yeah going after the U.S. market. So talk a bit about uh, some of your portfolio companies that have done well. Sure. So I can tell you about some from each of the two different niches. So yeah. uh, our best company so far is a company called Property Simple. And mm -hmm. they launched in Latin America with a company called Propiedad Fácil, which is like easy property. And it was, uh, was kind of like the Zillow of Chile. And mm -hmm. So they had a couple million people using it every month, but what they found out was that the real estate agents in Chile and in other parts of Latin America just didn't have the money to make it a big business. They could only pay about $35 per month. And so what we looked at was the tech was great. It was generating really, really high quality leads for very low price. And so what we asked ourselves was, can this company play in the U.S. market? Is the tech good enough? Mm -hmm. And is the team good enough to actually do that? And what we found out was yes. So what we did was we translated everything into English, made some changes for the U.S. market, and also you know, made some additional tweaks. But then more or less the same product with the same business model launched in the U.S. sells uh, software as a service $2,500 per month instead of 35 And now they have 20 people in Chile, and four people in the United States, and they raised a $3 million 
Series A in the U.S. about six months ago. Um, another okay. company that another company that fits that model is a company called Group Brace, which went mm-hmm. through Startup Chile. They're originally from Houston, and they now have an office with eight people in Houston, about 15 people in Santiago, and about 40 in the Philippines. And what they mm-hmm. do is they allow anybody to book an event at a restaurant. So everybody knows how to book one to eight people restaurant reservation. You can go to open table or something similar. But what if you yeah. want to have a group of 20 or 50 or 100? And so they have 10,000 or so restaurants in the United States where you can book a big group event. And the cool part is that the restaurants actually compete over your group's business by donating 5 to 20% of the bill to the group or charity of your choice. Mm-hmm. And they raise a nice-sized seed round in the U.S. from uh, investors in the Valley and also from uh, and also Techstars. And okay. so those are kind of our top two in the Latin America to the U.S. model. In mm-hmm. the Latin America companies that are business-to-business, we have a company that we invested in called Portal Finance. And what they do is they have a software-as-a-service sort of document platform or the factoring industry. So if you need to borrow against an invoice that maybe is net 60 or net 90, you can go to a factoring company and make that happen. It's a huge business in Latin America. Um, In the U.S., it's about $100 billion per year industry. And so they they took the time for these factoring companies and banks to make a decision on funding an invoice from two weeks down to 20 minutes just with their software as a service platform. But then what's mm-hmm. cool about them is on top of that, they were able to get access to more than 150 million invoices just in Chile to be able to build a map of who owes what to whom, to be able to mm-hmm. start to give grades to the invoices. And so they now mm-hmm. have a decision engine on top of it, which offers the highest quality invoices to their software as a service clients. And then yeah. they get a portion of the invoice when a deal happens. And They've done deals with some of the biggest investment banks from Latin America and are operating in Chile and Colombia today and will open Mexico and likely the U.S. in in 2018. Okay. Very cool. And um, this company, I presume you have funded uh, Series A in Latin America? Can you say it again? Cut out for a second. This last company, I presume you've funded the Series A in Latin America, yes? We will be funding their Series A from um, our second fund, which will close in the next month here. We, uh, we funded I their see. seed and, and pre-seed, and uh, we'll be doing the, the A shortly. I see. Oh, cool. So um, now the next question I have is actually about the ones that you are funding in the U.S. Um, have you experienced the Series A financing in the U.S. yet? Yeah, so we've, we've raised, I think, about $6 million for our portfolio companies in, in the U.S. Property Simples, $3 million A was, was the biggest so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we, we basically, starting in 20, the end of 2015, started bringing our, our first portfolio companies to the U.S. and have been meeting with U.S. investors to get them to follow on in, in our companies. And what is the, 
What is the appetite for U.S. investors to work with these Latin America companies? What are you learning? So, so we learned we learned really a lot. So when when I first went with the companies in 2015, I thought that having some sort of traction in Latin America would actually be a bonus for most investors in the U.S. That they would see, oh, they've built a product. It's got 100,000 or a couple million people using it every month. That shows that they can actually build a product, and they've taken you know one of the layers of the onion of risk off of the business. But what we mm-hmm. found was is actually a negative value for most investors in the U.S. because their line of think- their line of thinking was twofold. One, if it really is this good, they'd be in the U.S. already, and then the second was that they were worried that even though there was a product that was working in Latin America that you maybe would raise money for the U.S. version, but then you might take half of that and just operate your business in, in Latin America. Um, those were two of the biggest pieces. There also was a huge amount of ignorance about Latin America, and there, there still is mm-hmm. on the part of many many people in the U.S., not just investors. Uh, very mm-hmm. basic things like our founders got questions like, you know, is there Internet in Chile? Um, can you get talent? Um, we would show a video to different people before the meetings that show some drone footage of our office in Chile and show some of the stuff from Medellin in Colombia. And they would, many of them would be surprised. Oh, there's a real city. There's a lot of buildings. There's tall, there's tall buildings, you know, basic things like that, where it wasn't that anybody was trying to discriminate against Latin American entrepreneurs. It was just, they hadn't vetted the thesis yet. Most of them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Most people had seen companies, that had their tech or sales team in Eastern Europe or potentially in Russia or in India or even in uh, places like Hong Kong. But there haven't been that many big success stories in with this model from Latin America. There are some, including one called Uyala, which had a couple hundred employees in Mexico but was based in California. Same founders mm-hmm. doing the same thing again with WiseLine now has 300-plus employees in Guadalajara. There have been multiple Silicon Valley companies that have acquired Latin American teams to uh, have their their dev offices there and continue to do it. But it's just not something that you see every day. No, you don't. I think there was something that only 1% of money that is coming out of Silicon Valley is going to... Uh, Latino or Latin American founders, and there was only $2.3 billion of venture capital invested into all of Latin America, including Brazil, so everything Mexico South in the last five years, which is less than Uber got from the Saudi royal family in one round. So it's just a very yes. underfunded underfunded region, and yeah. there was a lot of, it takes it took a lot of convincing for us, even though Many of our, all of our companies that are operating in the U.S. are U.S. incorporated, uh, have an office in the U.S., but it was hard to convince people that they were actually a U.S. company because they would get scared by the LATAM tech teams. Right, yeah. But, you know, this is not unusual. I'm not, I'm talking about not very long ago. I think it was in 1997, 98, I was funding a company of my own that I founded, and we did all our product development for very little money in India. 
and it was before the trend where you were, you know, you could be building companies, uh, products in India, and in fact, people wanted you to have India operations building products and so forth. So I met with 36 venture capitalists before I could find one um, to actually do this with me, which was NEA. And uh, wow. it was it was hell because people were telling me, no, we don't fund companies with product development in India. Of course, you know, give it a few years, another a, a decade later, if you were in Silicon Valley and you were doing a startup and you were not doing product development in India, you were a fool. So, <laughs> you know, these kinds of trends require uh, education and require kind of breaking people in, but it eventually happens. And I, I'm thrilled to see that you're doing this in Latin America. Well, thanks. And what was the turning point for, for you and that you got someone to actually do it when you met with all the, the different funds? So what happened was, um, it, so this is actually not true for Latin America, but it's very true for India, is that there are tremendous numbers of Indians in the technology industry in uh, Silicon Valley. And there were also a lot of angel investors in Silicon Valley from India. So what I did was I got a bunch of Indian angels to come into the company. And then some of those angels had the relationship with NEA, and it was they who convinced NEA to come in. That so you're going to have to somehow surround yourself with Latin American success stories in Silicon Valley who have those, you know, connections and, and bridges into the VCs, the angels, and so forth, who can then kind of provide the comfort around your deal to get that comfort level. Yep, I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, you're starting to see a bit of an inflection point in Silicon Valley starting to invest either in companies with LATAM tech teams or even just companies operating in LATAM itself. Most yeah. of the top 10 venture capital firms did their first couple of deals in Latin America in the last even six to 12 months. Um, you know, Andreessen Horowitz did a deal in Colombia. Um, mm -hmm. Excel did a, did a deal in Mexico and also in, uh, in Colombia. Brazil has had a bunch of different investors invest there. So I think you're starting to see looking at one valuations are a lot lower in Latin America than they are in the U.S. So you, you can start to get some sort of value investing for, for your dollars. Plus, you're starting to see some of the first success stories. So I think it's just, yeah, you're exactly right. It's going to take a little time. It's going to take time, but, but it's going to happen. Now, what, uh, what about the Latin American investors investing in, in the model that you're talking about? So, uh, of course, Latin America has seen more B2C investments focused on Latin America. B2B has there, there have been some B2B investments. I, um, I know the um, Kazakh and all those guys quite well. I've, I've known the Mercado Libre guys for a long time. Um, so what, uh, what are you seeing? What is the response to your two models? One is B2B Latin America facing and the second is B2B US market facing. What is the response of the Latin American investors on these? So yeah, there's been a lot of good VCs like Kazakh is great. Uh, Mona Shee's in Brazil is doing really, really well. And they've been at it for a long time. And they've been doing, doing really, really well. But generally, they're doing LATAM-focused deals and mm -hmm. a lot bigger kind of check sizes than we are. So we're sort of filling a niche that's lower down on the amount of money 
and stage of the company. Yeah, so and, you're doing the Series A gap, essentially. You're doing the pre-seed, the seed, post-seed, whatever, and bridging it into Series A, and in, in, in your new fund, you're going to try to do Series A as well. Exactly, and so there's there's a couple of different funds across the region that are starting to do similar sort of structure to us of uh, LATAM tech and sales teams and then uh, going into the U.S. market. There's one in Colombia. There's one in Mexico. And mm -hmm. there's starting to be also some interesting funds, especially Mexico-focused, that are cross-border. So they're mm -hmm. investing in Latin founders in the States, but also Mexican founders for the Mexican market. So I think mm -hmm. it's, it's starting to be interesting. Um, so you will have I a few syndication opportunities around with these uh, new funds. Exactly. And it would be great to have even more people starting to invest in the region so that we can do more co-investments. Uh, we've done some with, with some of the funds in the region, but it would be great to, to get more people who are learning about the region and bring other skill sets that maybe we don't have here um, that have more experience would be, would be great to work with. Excellent. Well, very, very nice to hear your story. Uh, and uh, Nathan, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. So thank you very much. And thanks to the listeners. Great uh, to have you. If you're enjoying our uh, podcast, please go to iTunes and review the show, and we will meet you back with more of these episodes. Thank you. Thank you very much.